Welcome. You're listening to the AI Infusion podcast series hosted by Shalini Kapoor. Thank you, Jeff. Hey folks, Jeff is a production manager for this podcast series. And I welcome you all to the next episode of this series on AI Infusion. In this podcast, we not just tell you about AI, we understand what does it take for enterprises to infuse artificial intelligence in their business processes. We talk about adoption, we talk about new areas, new use cases, new industries getting infused with AI. And find us on your favorite podcast platform. And dear listeners, do not forget to rate us. This episode 6 of AI Infusion is about automating enterprise IT with AI. And we have a fantastic guest today and I am honored to host her. So dear listeners, today we are going to get into the minds of Rama Akiraju, IBM fellow and CTO for AI operations. Just to introduce Rama, She's been named by Forbes as one of the top 20 women in AI research and has been featured in A Team in AI by Fortune magazine. Rama has a vision of placing AI to the core of IT ops tool chain and she is building a product called Watson AI Ops just for that. Rama is a great role model and today we are going to get into her mind and see what she has for ai ops she's going to unfold the magic on how ai and it operation management can be brought together welcome rama to the ai infusion podcast hey thank you shalini looks like you're run- running this uh, fun series and i'm looking forward to an engaging conversation today great great so let's get started So Rama we have heard of uh, self healing and self optimizing IT uh, I know when I started my career we were we were talking about it uh, and uh, that's the ultimate goal which most of the CIOs even want to achieve but actually we never realized that vision so what are we doing now with applying AI to IT it's definitely a mystery question so we want to understand that <laughs> Um, yeah thanks for starting off with that great question yes you're absolutely right back in 2000 or so as a as a it community uh, in computer science there was this wave of autonomic computing you may recall or our listeners may recall and um, you know there you know at that time the vision was to really build this self healing self managing it systems and that came from distributed computing um and fault tolerance computing types of fields at that time um you know yes of course some work was done but uh, i would say not all the tools that were needed to really realize, realize that re- vision were there at the time now with i would say with um uh, ai coming off of winter specifically with machine learning models um making a lot of progress um with the new new models and deep learning techniques and the compute that's available now suddenly makes it possible to process natural language types of data that it wasn't so easy to process before and the reason why i specifically bring up natural language type of data in it domain is you know if you look at it domain uh, you know in order to build this self healing self monitoring systems you need to be able to look at all the data that it systems produce and be able to make sense out of it right so it, this includes data like metrics t- 
tickets, incident tickets, logs, traces. This is, these are the kinds of data that IT systems produce. Now, if you look at what the previous generations IT uh, operations management systems have done is look at the structured data and using different kinds of analytics, model time series, model analytics, and those types of things to make anomaly prediction, detection, and those sort of things to give early warnings and such. And that was the first wave of um, autonomic computing, if you will. But we could only go so far because good chunk of the other types of data that IT systems produce, like application logs, infrastructure logs, and incident tickets, they were not processed and not looked at because they were unstructured and it's hard to really make sense of, the, of it. Yeah. Now with AI, making it possible where we can get into, you know, with, call it with, uh, you know, word embeddings, the models that make us, you know, process large volumes of unstructured data and still be able to build machine learning models or even just by using natural language processing techniques to understand entities and their relationships and, and be able to link different kinds of signals and such. Now we can do all that. So that is why I think now we have a better chance at actually make, realizing that, uh, you know, that vision of self-healing, self-monitoring systems, because we can now tap into all the data that IT systems produce and we can link them um, and really understand what is causing the problem and diagnose the problem and find resolutions for it from prior incident tickets and even actually get to the point of avoiding those incidents from happening in the first place by better understanding what has happened in the past and what and catching those problems early on in the software development lifecycle. So yeah, this time around, we are better equipped with the tools and the compute and the, the actual AI techniques that we need to make it happen. But I would still say it's going to be a journey because uh, it's uh, uh, it, it's going to be you know a lot of hard work and we are we are not yet going to be there with you know just click one button and then we have self monitoring self healing systems. It's going to be human in the loop kinds of IT AI systems that we will have to build, where humans and human judgment will still continue to play a very important role in guiding AI. AI can do the heavy lifting of processing all the complex large volumes of data but when insights are generated um, really filtering them out and making sense of those insights i think humans still will have the best judgment until the systems can learn that from human feedback it's going to be human in the loop and ai learning from that feedback and eventually coming back to make that happen that whole vision uh, happen so i would say yes we are making good progress we are better equipped this time around but uh, it's still going to be a journey and with humans very much playing an important role in that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree that it's going to be a journey. Uh, but I'm also, um, uh, I, I also read about it that, you know, by 2024, 30% of business leaders will rely on AI ops kind of platforms for automated insights and driving business-related decisions. And that's compared to less than 3% today. So in this post-pandemic digital world, uh, how does this modernization journey uh, translate into AI ops, which is your product? And how does AI ops uh, as a product uh, solving this, this uh, issue? Yeah, I mean, even before pandemic, right, we, we were uh, pretty much every industry really is an IT industry. You can say, you know, they rely so much on IT. Take banks, retail companies, insurance companies, you know, you take any industry, government sector, there is 
IT is all pervasive and therefore, and they are running mission critical applications, right? So the, that means that we have to make sure that these IT systems are up and running um, and are meeting the, the service level objectives and um, goals that uh, CIOs have set for those applications and such. So there is a need for constant monitoring of these applications and, and as much automation as can be delivered to CIOs so that we can ensure that their systems, IT systems are up and running. Now, during the pandemic, of course, that only accentuated the, the number of you know, IT systems and uh, such that uh, everybody is using employees and, uh, um, and customers, right? So now we have more number of IT systems in production that customers and employees are relying on. So the, the, the job of managing all of those and keeping systems up and running uh, is, is now more important than ever before. So what can AI ops do? And what can CIOs do? Well, it goes back to really putting in the kinds of automations that can enable the IT systems to be monitored in real time. As and when things are happening, you should be able to be able to monitor the metrics, the application logs and traces, and be able to analyze them to detect issues as they happen and to even predict them even before they happen right and to be able to be able to pinpoint where the problem is by fully understanding the entire context of the application where are they running are they running on you know cloud are the cloud native applications are they running on kubernetes are they running in on cloud are they running on uh, virtualized environments or are they running on traditional servers and systems and what are the the, the full stack of things that they're dependent on, which is capturing the application topology and using that context to diagnose the problems and also leveraging your own past incident ticket information to better um, resolve problems based on what worked, what did not work and so on. So what it means for CIOs is to really instrument their entire applications and enable them for real-time monitoring and use these tools that products that AI ops types of products that different vendors are bringing to the table um, and leverage the, the, the automated capabilities for problem diagnosis, problem detection and resolution and put in place as much automation as possible for automatic resolution and proactive issue avoidance. That's what CIOs should be looking for. And as the vendors, as the companies who are developing those AI ops applications, what we are looking for is to work with our clients to help them do all of these things to better manage their their data and help them derive better insights from their own data so they can you know keep their applications reliability and um, uh, you know and availability up and running having said that one thing i would say that in order for ai to do a good job and, and to enable this automation that companies should very much be looking to do is um, to keep good data. So AI can only be as good as the data that it, it is given access to. So if you don't have good processes to capture what's going on in your environment and you're not keep, keeping good incident tickets with the root cause information and good documentation, it's going to be very hard to leverage that to find problem resolutions from it. And if you are not um, uh, monitoring your metrics and if you are not capturing 
writing your applications in a way that they are writing good logs and the logs are enabled and, and you can use them and leverage them to detect and predict issues, then you have a problem. And also during the software development lifecycle, if you don't have proper tools to help you analyze, you know, what kind of changes are you making? Are there risky changes? And what has happened with these kind of changes in the past? And, and if you don't have proper tools to capture all of your you know, the changes, the change requests, the, the code changes, pull requests, and all of these things in proper CICD tools and proper software development tools, then basically you have very um, poorly instrumented system and you're expecting it to, you know, monitor itself and do well. So that's going to make it hard. So part of what we are realizing as we work with clients in, in, in making AI ops work for them is to really also help them understand the need for having good software development and deployment and in general um, their issue management processes and by doing so if they maintain good hygiene throughout this process by capturing and storing the data and all that then it's for their own good because in their betterment because that data can then be used to help improve the, the the availability reliability of their IT systems. So it's we have to kind of the business processes and the way they do it has to come together so that AI can help them and then it becomes a virtuous cycle. Yeah. So you talked about systems getting down and that's that's uh, really interesting how worrying it can be for CIOs. And I remember in 2019, uh, Facebook was down for some 14 hours and it was reported that it cost them like $90 million. Right. Uh, so I'm sure the CIOs have a lot of cost associated with these outages which happen. Now, how are you building the, the cost case for the CIOs? Um, is, there, is there an effort that you, you go to? you go and meet the clients and then you measure their incidents. I mean, just tell us the process of, because the cost case is one which drives investments into, into new AI. Right, right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So if you look at uh, these, uh, the cost associated with incidents, bad incidents that happen that are client impacting, um, yes, they could run into millions of dollars, you know, per day, per hour, depending on, you know, what kind of business, what kind of application that is. So our goal is with AI ops to bring down the mean time to detect the issues, which is called MTTD, mean time to detect, then mean time to isolate, identify the problem, that is the diagnosis part, and mean time to repair the problem. So these are things, these are metrics that are typically measured in uh, operations management by IT operations administrators who are sometimes also referred to as site reliability engineers or in short SREs. Um, so these are the metrics that we are trying to improve at the lowest level, right? By, if we can say detect a problem early and cut down, if it was taking four hours, five hours to diagnose and detect and diagnose the problem, um, if we can cut it down to a few minutes, say after the order of two, three minutes in an automatic manner by processing the data and such, that's four or five hours of uh, problem time saved. You know, uh, similarly, if we can automate the resolution application, then after detecting the problem for four hours, let's say it took you 30 minutes or one hour to bring the system back up, you know, again, cut down that whole time to again, few minutes. Um, so that is, those are the metrics that we are after. Now, if you roll those things up, the mean time to detect, mean time to resolve type of metrics up to the application uptime and availability, 
to the service level objectives, um, then what they really uh, um, come to is these type of metrics such as, you know, I, I have a 99.7 or 99.9 you know, availability requirement. So by cutting down this time, we we are in servicing that requirement basically of the service level agreement you know we and if we can actually even get to the point of reducing the number of failures or the help avoid the number of incidents from happening then again we by by measuring these low level metrics at process level it will add up and elevate up to the service level agreements that that CIOs are signing up for with their customers, right, to make these IT systems available to them or to their own internal critical applications to employees and, and their own IT systems. So, yeah, so those are the metrics that we measure. And in the end, the goal is, of course, all of these service level agreements, objectives roll up to, you know, costs and the associated penalties. And if we can reduce all of those things, then that's what CIOs, uh, you know, look forward to from AI ops and AI doing it for IT ops management, right? So, again, I would say it's going to be a journey, but that those are the objectives. Yeah, I know uh, CIOs spend a lot of sleepless nights worrying about their systems being up. Uh, so, is this what you call the AI-powered incident management, or or there is more to it? Yeah, so you know, IT operations management has many uh, specific use cases, if you will. Incident management is one um, that includes, you know, diagnosis resolution um, and uh, application performance monitoring is another area, which is even before the incident management, you have to be able to monitor the applications and their performance in real time. So that is another, you know, huge area. That's that that that's the one that's actually it's like the eyes and ears on the ground, right? Of listening to all the applications all the time, so that you have the data you need to be able to diagnose when a problem actually occurs. Or when when some you know storms are brewing, some indications are that you know you're you're going to run out of memory, um, or that your loads are increasing. You need to scale up the systems. You know that's that's where you have to be to listen so that you can act proactively. So incident management, incident resolution is one space. Application performance man monitoring is another space which really comes in handy. And then of course the whole area of automation for problem resolution. Um, which includes maybe resource management, you know, uh, sort of um, rebalancing your, you know, portfolio for reducing the costs associated with how you are managing your applications and resources, and also in real time what 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 things you need to be doing to scale up, scale down, um, roll back, and those sort of things. So yeah, incident management, application performance management, resource management. These are all things and terms that you will hear in, in this broader IT operations management space. And what AI uh, ops really means is infusing AI into all of these activities or processes so that you can optimize them further from you know, wherever you are. And the opportunity here, when we say broadly AI, Many things related to structured data analysis, such as you know metrics one comes into pick into into it under the wing, um, or unstructured data analysis like logs and incident tickets. That's AI two. Um, uh, writing rules or learning rules is AI two. So basically, it's a broad term that's being used to say take all the data that's available and help derive insights from it, and and also help. De derive the next best actions to take to resolve problems. So these are all opportunities for AI in IT ops management.
Great. Um, so that, uh, you know, you're talking about how AI is uh, helping and solve unstructured data problems, look at next, be next best action. Uh, uh, I really want to know, and I'm sure listeners are looking forward to this, uh, this magic. What are the AI algorithms that you are writing? What kind of algorithms you are writing? What's the span? What's the breadth of them? And how you are, uh, you know, maybe reusing some of the existing research which has happened in the AI algo space, which you are uh, using to solve these problems? Yeah, um, sure. Great question. So first of all, I would say, you know, um, there is quite a bit of work that's a body of work out there in the general area of um, anomaly detection, anomaly prediction, time series models, um, and, uh, you know, um, natural language processing techniques, um, detecting entities in given text and, and linking those entities. Um, then uh, in machine learning of learning from unstructured data where you translate, uh, you know, the, the text into language models and tokenize them and generate word embeddings, uh, word vectors as features, and then use those to train and learn models. So these are all general purpose techniques that are out there in the general field of AI. And really what we are doing in, in, in AI ops is bringing all of those things to uh, to the table and applying them, putting them to use wherever, uh, in whichever form and shape applicable to solve the specific problem. Um, of course, you know, the new inventions opportunities in the space of AI itself is possible, but uh, there is so much that's already work that's going on that, you know, it's really a matter of bringing all of those things to applying it to this particular problem space and, and solving it. So coming to what the, what are the algorithms, right? If you look at this, the, the, the problem space of incident detection, diagnosis and resolution, let's say, as one of the primary use cases in AI ops, uh, in IT operations management, Detection is all about looking at what's going on and be able to detect a problem, right? As and when it's happening, you just want to detect it immediately, not wait four or five hours. So part of that involves anomaly detection. You know, that's a classic, uh, you, know, you know, you map map this problem that you have to solve to a known class of problems in AI. So that is, you know, the known class, there is anomaly detection. So there is a normal behavior of a system when everything is going well. And when suddenly some things are not going well, you want to be able to match it with what you learned as normal behavior and detect that, oh, this is something is abnormal about this and therefore it's an anomaly and raise a flag, right? So that is one class of problems. And we apply that anom anomaly detection algorithms, uh, various techniques there, um, um, both on logs and metrics. Some of them are time series based if the data is structured and if the data is unstructured, we know we process the the unstructured data uh, using language model techniques, word embeddings, generate features, and then process them through time series algorithms. So that's one class of problems that is anomaly detection. So basically, we're detecting the problem. Then there is a class of problems where you have to, um, when a lot of these alerts are getting generated, you want to be able to group them into the corresponding buckets so that you don't overwhelm the user with too much, too many alerts. Because sometimes 100 alerts get generated related to the same problem. So how do you take all the alerts and link them all based on the context that they have to say that, hey, multiple systems are generating alerts, but they're all related to the same bigger problem, which is that you know you have um, this particular HTTP uh, error, this server, this service is down. 
um, or that you know memory uh, extent limit ex exceeded and therefore this service went down and and you know multiple alerts will go on for it so this problem of noise reduction is all about linking various entities and grouping them it's called event grouping and in, in to do that um, we again we apply different techniques there um, some of them are to do with um, using the context and using the, the topology you know it's a graph traversal and uh, type of uh, algorithms uh, entity extraction and entity resolution types of things and sometimes it we also use association rule mining type of algorithms where you know incident alert one came alert two came and every time alert one and two came alert three also followed and all uh, and when those three came together this was the incident in the past and now we are seeing that alert one and two and three came therefore it matches the previous pattern and therefore it's likely to be this incident right so those kind of things so that's the one class of problems topology graph traversal um, association rule mining type of things then you have detected the problem you have diagnosed the problem to figure out where it is then you have how do you um, find the resolution for it and for that you have a problem which is you've diagnosed and there are symptoms associated with it and you have your incident tickets in your database or repository say service now now you need to match these symptoms with the the the, the ones that uh, the other incidents that have happened to see if there is anything similar to it it's exactly like how a doctor would do right doctor is thinking about hey this patient has a runny nose has fever and has chills and every time that happened in the past you know from my previous um, you know experience the patient has uh, the flu and uh, you know just take rest and uh, drinks a lot of fluids and that will you know you will go through it that could be the treatment or that you know if it's uh, some bacterial thing you prescribe a particular treatment because you know that that treatment has worked for the patient in the past so same thing here you look at the previous incidents and match and this this one is really information retrieval problem right do you match it to the known class so where you are um, matching the symptoms and you it's about you know finding the relevant um match records and their corresponding resolution actions so basically it's the same old trick like in ai where you anytime you find an unknown problem you try to match it with a known class of problems because for that known class of problems you have a, a, a you know arsenal of applicable techniques that have been tried and tested so that's what we do basically you know these are three examples that i gave in incident de detection diagnosis and uh, resolution how we apply it to known class of problems and then once we do that then we use all the known techniques to to um, put them to use and then of course we measure how well they do with the precision recall and you know f measure and those type of standard metrics of course eventually you know you can do all these things eventually you have to put the whole system together because it's it's all about each one can do its own thing it, it will have its own you know um uh accuracy false positives false negatives and all that eventually when you put the whole thing together it has to deliver a meaningful insight to the user so in the end there is a user based measurement metric that we have to measure the whole system on saying is it really raising alarms on the right set of problems for the user or is it calling crying wolf too many times to the extent that user doesn't believe in the system so these are all then becomes practical you know real system building problems that we have to worry about but at algorithmic level yeah it's it's about matching it to known techniques very cool very cool uh, my technical mind is ignited and and i really i'm thinking uh, 
are you discovering new tools while you are building this? Because I'm sure, you know, not just the build, the deployment and the running of these models, um, the monitoring of them, their their sustenance so that their confidence score stays up and it doesn't fall and degrade over a period of time. So are you are you discovering new tools, new methodologies in this process? So Shalini, I can't tell you, I mean, at the crux of all of this, matching this um, um, to known class of problems and applying them is just the easiest part of really doing uh, AI. I, I guess the so. actual hard part is really in, in what you're asking, right? It's, it's about really making it work for that problem. And it is so hard because, you know, we are talking about, you know, AI systems that, you know, are susceptible to a lot of data quality issues, right? I mean, they, they only do yeah. as good a job as uh, the data that you feed in. And some of them are unsupervised, some of them are um, semi-supervised, and some of them are supervised. And each of them will have are, is prone to its own mistakes. That's why right at the beginning, I said, you know, hu having humans in the loop is so critical because mm. all said and done, you know, when while, you, it's, while it might be hard for humans to process large volumes of data, quickly, which is what computers excel in, and we can put AI to the best use there. What humans excel in is in really quickly deriving insights from once you have, you know, generated an initial set. And so there is no match to that. So we have to have humans really working with the system, giving feedback, and the system then takes that feedback and behind the scenes has to continuously learn and improve. And so what we have to have is the, the, the entire mechanism. Just building the algorithm is, is the easiest part of it. And even tuning it to get it to some level of accuracy is possible in isolated data sets and in environments. But when you actually work with real client data and, and the client's own policies and their own intuition about what they want to see, what they don't want to see and, and all that, there's nothing that beats having that feedback from users. So the new tools, new requirements. I mean, while it is understood at some level that, you know, there is ML ops in the, in the field of AI, everybody understands mm -hmm. that to really deploy machine learning models or AI models, it, you need AI ops for AI ops, basically, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you need that and the platform is needed. But having said that, really this building a system that brings human into the loop and enables humans to give that feedback on a regular basis or if it's much easier, just write a rule, right? Why do you want to have um, collect 100,000 samples, 100 or 1,000, whatever number, samples of patterns just to learn a rule and make AI learn that rule when that rule is so obvious to a human, right? So I, I would never underestimate the, the importance of uh, rules to bridge that first mile and last mile problems and filling that gap. So yes, I mean, to build a practical working system we need ML ops, we need the feedback loops, we need the system to continuously learn, we need users to be very much in the loop to give that feedback on a regular basis. And that all has to come together. And we are really not there even, even as an industry, as, um, as, a, as, as vendors or companies that are building AI-infused applications with platforms, with, with that much maturity to really make it all happen. So then, then if the platform is mature enough and is already there to enable me to build all those plug points, then, you know, we can bring the, our problem and we can match it to known class of, you know, AI problems and apply that and hook them in at the right place, right? 
but that platform doesn't exist. Um, and you, even if it does exist by some vendors out there, it is patchy at best. And uh, every uh, company or every application vendor who is building an AI-infused application is having to rebuild it either by borrowing some piece parts from here and there or from scratch. So, and that's where the majority of really making AI work for enterprises challenges lie. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's definitely a huge, huge and humongous effort to bring all these things together because on one side, you are having science uh, discover new processes and on the other side, you have these actual problems on the ground and you're trying to marry them and create a sustainable uh, system. Uh, but right. I also wonder how does it impact uh, software development life cycle? Because, you know, software development life cycle, normally in an in a enterprise, you know, it has happened. It, people have built software, not necessarily for AI, and then they deploy it. And then we are using AI to, you know, to do the operations of it. But I also feel that the kind of work that you're doing is going to impact the starting and the SDLC in itself. So do you see that change? Do you see that that trend happening that some of these methods, tools that you are developing also move towards SDLC so that we build software using AI? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's like um, when you have, again, I go back to doctor's analogy. When you have a, 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 a let's say, a a particular problem, actually, you know, lifestyle problem like diabetes, heart disease, or those sort of things. Um, it's already too late, as in, you know, all the the bad things have happened, and now you have to only manage. You know, when a problem actually occurs, you know, the best you can do is to resolve it quickly. The best way to do it is like how you are doing it, right? Do yoga and actually proactively take care of your health, and 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 develop good habits early on in your life so that you don't get into those problems. Same thing with IT systems, right? After, if you follow bad software development processes and um, you know poor quality artifacts are getting promoted from one stage to the other, and then you end up implementing that and deploying it in production, of course, you know incidents will happen, and you will be in reactive mode of trying to discover those incidents, detect and and fix them. But if you can actually go back into the software development lifecycle and institute good quality practices and processes and automation and even checks and gates where at every step of the way you have a gate where you check to see hey is this quality is is the is the, is this the quality of the artifact up to the mark is there any risk can we predict if this type of changes that were made here are going to likely result in an incident can we predict that and give that pre-warning to the, the software development engineer or the deployment engineer so that they fix those things early on, even before it gets promoted from coding to testing, from testing to deployment and from deployment to production, we can avoid it so it turns out a good chunk of these problems. Definitely. However, I would say that in, in a modern applica software application development, um, it's not always what goes in software development and what's in the code, right? It's uh, that's uh, that's only a part of it the whole environment the setup the configuration of the various you know systems like if you have databases how do you tune it if you have elastic store in there how do you tune it um if you have let's say ldap type of uh, you know access management things what have you configured it with what parameters and such um there are so many other things that are that are um, that could cause 
problems, not just the software development. But then the testing process and, and the deployment before deployment should really catch Absolutely. even those problems, right? So part of what we are doing is um, you will hear this idea of digital twins that is kind of becoming prominent in the industry these days. And the idea there is that you create a, a twin environment of your production, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, staging environment. Yes, just taking it to the next level where you, anytime you make a change, you test it in that digital twin environment and you can inject different kinds of faults by simulating um, what might happen, what bad things, and test the robustness of your application and the stability of your applications thoroughly before you deploy it. You know, that is, these are some of the techniques that um, are becoming more and more prominent. Um, although I must say still in very early days, um, but as we, as we get more mature with incident management and resolution, I expect that IT industry will then shift left into the software development lifecycle activities to take um, good care about the quality of the process itself and the artifacts themselves. And we have to be there to help our CIOs and clients in that journey to develop by developing the required tools and analytics so that we can you know, be ready to help them when they are ready to take, consume those. So that's one thing that's happening. Having said that, it is, it is a hard problem uh, because you, you have to be able to monitor everything that's happening and be able to simulate. And the, the hard deadlines that software development um, teams and uh, companies have to you know, go from innovation and idea to building a system and to put it in production often prevents one from uh, having the full-blown testing and this level of you know, quality assurance. Uh, but then, you know, we have to kind of go back to the principles of, you know, we all do this, right? We are so busy every day, you know, we get up in six in the morning, get on calls and, you know, go to a, you know, our meetings, sit there all day long. And in the, in the long run, we forget to take care of our health and that will come back and bite us and we cannot be as productive as we can be. So it's that kind of uh, trade-off that CIOs and companies have to make to say, well, you know what, you know, putting something in production quickly is important, but making sure that it's of good quality is important because otherwise what you end up with on the other hand is, you know, a bunch of IT applications whose reliability and availability is so poor and you're constantly in the reactive mode of finding problems and fixing them, right? So that is the, that's a hard balance that one has to strike. Um, but we got to first, you know, when the house is on fire, you have to put out the fire first. You, you can't, uh, yeah. you know, uh, explain to one why it is so important to build, uh, you know, uh, a swimming pool. So uh, we got to first do the incident management and make that uh, a success for our clients in the industry. Um, then come back and show how we can prevent them from happening actually by instituting good quality software development practices and such. Yeah, talk to me about deadlines and balance. Uh, I can have a new podcast series on the, <laughs> created on this. Um, so IT doctor, I'm going to call you the IT doctor. Uh, would you close your eyes and actually say, what is the future of AI? What is it that you look forward to? Or, you know, just do some crystal ball gazing and tell us what is it that you look forward to? You know what? Uh, I know everybody talks about what AI can do, how it can transform the industries. And, you know, it's been talked about as the new electricity, um, uh, right, Andrew, by Andrew Ng. And 
all of those are true and there is so much that it can do to transform uh, pretty much every industry and we are already seeing that right we, we with uh, you know the different kinds of devices that we use in our day-to-day lives in, in the con- consumer domain itself including you know the series the, the iphones and all that so there is so much that is happening already and in, in healthcare domain in in retail with regards to you know hyper market hyper targeting and hyper segmentation and each each industry with you know for example customer support domain with chatbots and um and government sector with so many uh, citizen support kinds of uh, um uh, new services that they are instituting it it can transform the industry in the coming in, in many industries and revolutionize it in the future but it's going to be a journey it's going to be a hard a uh, lot of hard work and it's going to take you know um uh, many hands and uh, uh you know a lot of work to get there but let me come back to ai ops right because i you know instead of um, talking about you know such broad things that everybody talks about out there because we spend good chunk of this podcast on ai ops right you know what is the opportunity of ai in ai ops right you know come, going back full circle to where you started in this call um about self healing self monitoring it systems right so if we can get to a point where it systems are developed we ai helps in the development of high quality it systems to start with by being there at every step of the way right. for developers for engineers for deployment engineers to help them to catch problems early and to help them um, really build high quality ones as they go through from step to step and then when it is deployed have the eyes and ears on the ground by re- in real time monitoring everything that's happening and and analyze all the data that's being monitored for various kinds of anomalies and and uh, uh, alerts and events and um figure out where the problem occurred and automatically resolve it and just let the user know that hey you know what this problem happened at 3 am you didn't have to wake up we fixed it it already happened and here is a report right when you are up and you know having a cup of coffee and you are looking at the dashboard it tells you these are the things that happened automatic resolutions were done and the system is all good up and running it didn't even go down because we proactively pro- predicted that that was going to happen and took a re- action proactively right that could be the nirvana state that we want to get to in ai ops uh is it possible is it doable i think as i said before you know we now have the tools and means to do that but of course it will take a lot of hard work of course it will take users being very much in the loop to help us get there but that is that is the the journey we are on um and i would say we are making good progress steady progress not there fully yet but that's where we plan to get to awesome awesome uh thank you rama thank you for such engaging conversations uh, i enjoyed thoroughly and i hope our listeners are going to enjoy this episode definitely thank you for being with us hey chalni uh, my pleasure thanks for having me and uh, keep up the great podcast series uh, it's very informative and educative i'm sure listeners will learn a lot from it thanks again for having me thank you so friends i'm signing off on this episode of ai infusion Hope you enjoyed our discussions and we will be back with more stories of AI ap- applications infused with AI. New journeys, new beginnings and over to a new road. See you all in our next episode where we'll have another AI rockstar coming up. Thank you.